and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. This is your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently an ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast is filled with tips and tricks for not only being the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but living the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. Hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in. everyone and welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm excited. I have Alexandra on and we're going to talk about BCBAs in the school system, but in case you don't know who she is, I'll have her introduce herself now. Awesome. Hi, I'm Alexandra or some people know me as Allie. I am a BCBA. Um, I work as a district behavior specialist for a public school district and before that I taught kindergarten for years, so I have classroom experience and now the BCBA side of things but in the schools. Perfect. And so to start off, can you help us understand the difference? Because when I was a teacher, we did not have school-based BCBAs. I had parents who would bring BCBAs in from a private setting. So can you kind of explain the difference of working with a BCBA that's coming in from a private setting versus what it means when you're a school-based BCBA? Yeah, absolutely. So we have both. We sometimes have like you said, you know, students who have outside BCBAs that come in, they participate in IEP meetings and things like that. So I am a full-time school district employee, which is different than the BCBA coming into the school. So I'm employed by the school district and I work in several different ways. My role is kind of more of like a consultant role. So I could do anything from staff training on classroom management, behavior management, to being pulled into a classroom to work one-on-one with a teacher to do sort of coaching on behavior management within the classroom or working with schools on an FBA behavior intervention plan for a particular student. So my kind of scope and sequence ranges from whole staff trainings to working directly with the staff on individual student needs, but I'm less so paired with a particular student like an outside BCBA would be and kind of more of that consultant role. Okay, that, that helps a lot to understand. And so is it correct that you're not necessarily just working with the classrooms and students with the most intensive behaviors, but you're more of a support for anybody in, the, in your cluster that might need your support? Yeah, absolutely. So I work a lot with my schools that have self-contained units. So we have schools that have self-contained autism units, self-contained EBD units, um, self-contained IND units, which is for our students who have intellectual disabilities, And then I have a few schools, which are center schools. So we have an EBD center and then an IND center. So I do provide, I would say more of my support goes towards those schools, but I could be called out to a gen ed classroom to, you know, do coaching with a gen ed teacher on overall classroom management for everyone or work with a particular student and provide strategies for that student in the gen ed classroom. So definitely it's, you know, can range from from a lot of different things and it's pretty widespread. And so I'm sure you run into sometimes with uh, general education teachers or even just some special education teachers who maybe don't get, we'll say quote unquote behavior. I'm sure it can be hard to collaborate sometimes. So how do you go in and build that relationship, especially with teachers who maybe are not in the same type of setting that we might be thinking of? Yeah, of course. That's a really great question. Um, I think having a classroom background is really helpful for me in that sense because it looks a lot different, you know, when you're providing strategies to a teacher, especially a gen ed teacher, as compared to being a BCBA in a clinical setting, maybe when you're working with an RBT 
who has that really honed in skill set of ABA. Like you said, maybe some gen ed teachers don't have that or they don't have that background and understanding of behavior. So I think at first kind of going in and just building that relationship with the teacher, pairing with the teacher, letting them know that, hey, I've been in the classroom as well. So I understand the behavior side of it, but I also understand being in the classroom and having to, you know, write lesson plans, implement your curriculum, manage 15, 20, 25, 30 students, however many you have, and also work on that behavior piece as well. So I think the first part is really building that relationship and then recommending interventions and strategies that's gonna be feasible for the teacher. So understanding that you know they are teaching content, they are managing a whole group of students, not just one student, and you know they're also trying to implement my suggestions. So really having that, that big picture is super helpful. And how do you go about uh, building that relationship with like an entire school? How do you kind of get buy-in from everybody when you're going in to do uh, staff training? Because a lot of people don't like staff training. And I could see, again, if someone's saying, oh, well, I, I don't have kids with bad behavior in my class, so I don't need to listen to what she's sharing. How do you approach those situations? That's a really good good question. And I think, you know, kind of gauging from the staff beforehand, what are your needs? Because everyone's so busy, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a BCBA, whether you're an RBT, you know, whatever your role is, everyone is so busy that like you said, people don't always love staff, excuse me, staff training and people especially don't like staff training if they feel like it's not applicable to them or you know, if they've already been through it or oh, I already know that. So trying to gauge ahead of time, what are the needs that you have and how can I Kind of as that consultant fill that need for you or you know what's a skill maybe that you already have but you want to build up on that so really kind of looking at where is there a need and how can we work together to fill that need and then when i do those trainings i try to be as hands-on as possible and as interactive as possible so it doesn't always go the way that i planned it but i find that's usually more effective because then i can kind of gauge like all right this is what i've planned but the more conversation we're having this is what you guys really need to learn about or maybe you know the direction i need to kind of shift and and go towards so really just understanding what are the needs and how can i use my expertise to help you fill those needs all right i'm going to throw a question at you that we didn't talk about ahead of time but do you ever in those situations deal with imposter syndrome or you're having teachers ask you questions and you like you know what to do but you don't feel the confidence maybe to convey and support other teachers? And how do you deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. Imposter syndrome is, you know, very real. And I hear a lot of people talk about it, which is, is good and not because it's unfortunate that a lot of people experience it, but good to know that any of us that feel that are definitely not alone. I think a skill that I've worked on personally that's been really helpful is when I have maybe an idea and I don't know how to articulate it or I you know have that moment where I'm like oh geez I don't I know that I know this but I don't really know what to do here I've gotten a lot better at saying like let me go back and think about the best strategy to provide for you and then get back to you on that so I kind of give myself that time to be like okay you know kind of have that self-talk you know what you're doing you know the strategy to implement here and that's really helpful instead of kind of like trying to make it up on the spot, you know, when you maybe don't feel super confident. I think that's a really good skill and something I'm definitely working on. And a lot of times it is just realizing like that it's imposter syndrome. You know what you're doing, you know what the best thing to recommend here is, you know how to deal with this situation. 
and you're just kind of getting down on yourself. So I think that's really important is kind of having that self-reflection and realizing when it is time that I have to say, let me circle back on that or when it's a moment that I'm just maybe doubting myself. And I love that strategy because I can definitely see from the teacher's side, if I were to have someone say that to me and then they came back the next day with suggestions, I'd feel like, oh, wow, they're actually invested. They, they mm -hmm. took that a little bit up. So on your end, you're just buying yourself a little bit of time. And on my end, I feel even more supported because I see that you took the time. So I think if you approach it that way, that can be beneficial on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And can we talk about some interventions that you might see commonly used in the classroom, especially in more of those general education classrooms that are not so much student specific, but just supporting everybody? Yeah, absolutely. So we do, you know, a lot of work and it really depends on the classroom teacher and something that's important for me too. I think having been a classroom teacher is beneficial but also sometimes a double-edged sword because i'm like oh yeah they can do this in the classroom but their classroom might not look like mine did or have the same kind of supports that mine did um but a lot of things you know like something that i find is missing a lot that's super important is kind of a general classroom management system i'm not a fan of like clip charts or anything like that but something like a token economy um, or something that students can can use to work towards earning something and that's something that we get a lot of pushback on as well because sometimes teachers have that mindset uh, or specific teachers will have that mindset of you know they should be doing the work because that's the expectation and we as people in the field of behavior analysis know that of course that's the ultimate goal but that's not always where we start right so sometimes it's you know, working on that overall classroom management system to build up that motivation for students to be able to engage in the lessons. Um, you know, so that's usually the kind of the overarching like whole classroom management, what can we do there? And then from that, we'll look at, you know, that's kind of our, our tier one, everyone gets that kind of support. And then we'll look at our tier two intervention. So we might have students that maybe are doing check in, check out. That's one that I really love in the school setting because a lot of our students are looking for that connection that relationship building and the check-in check-out provides that for them they have that opportunity to build a relationship with a trusted adult in the school um, have that break time with them breaks are also something that sometimes are really hard to convince people to implement um, but really anything and you know a lot of times in the school setting we have to get super creative with how those interventions look because it can be hard to juggle it and you know something like a break card or a check in check out you have to make sure that that person they're going to see is available and that's really hard in the school setting because it's not necessarily the principal is not always in their office or the social worker is not always in their office so it really comes down to you know what is the need in the classroom and how can we be creative and design interventions that are gonna work for the students, that are gonna work for the teacher, that are gonna work for all of the adults that have you know, a million responsibilities going on throughout the day. All right, and so we're gonna, the last two questions I had for you, it's the same question, but for two different roles. Right. So first, anybody who is maybe entering a position like yours, do you have any advice that you would give them as they enter the role of being a district hired BCBA? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the first is kind of just understanding that working exclusively in the school setting is different than working in the clinical setting. So like I said before, in the clinical setting, maybe you have, you know, you're working one-on-one -on -one with that student and we can kind of design these interventions and these um, things that we're doing with our client or the student 
just focusing on them and that's not always the reality in a school setting sometimes class sizes are you know 20 25 30 students so when you're working with a teacher and that's the person who's implementing the intervention which a lot of times it is when i'm you know when i'm working with them it's the teacher doing that understanding that their main focus is not necessarily this one student's behavior plan they're working on that but they're also having to juggle a bunch of other things as well which is really really challenging so just understanding the challenge that that could be for a teacher and then also understanding like we talked about before that you are the expert in behavior but not everyone is an expert in behavior um you know it's really easy for us as bcbas rbts to go into our behavior analytic lingo and talk about things that maybe a classroom teacher is going to look at us and be like what the heck are you talking about that's so overwhelming so really taking the time to word things in a way that's not going to provide additional stress because most of the times the interventions we recommend can be implemented if you break it down and almost make like a task analysis for the person implementing it for the student so you know having that mindset of yes i'm the expert in behavior but maybe this person isn't. So how can I be supportive to them so that they can be supportive to the student and everyone kind of has the mindset of like, we can do this rather than this is super stressful and I have no idea what this person is telling me to do. Do you have any advice for the teachers who are maybe in that position where they need to ask the BCBA for help that they feel really intimidated, they don't speak the lingo, they don't know how to ask for help. How would you encourage them to be able to build that relationship from their side? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, you know, for sure, just understanding that everyone, hopefully, who's working in the school setting really got into it and is there because they want to help kids. They want to do what's best for the students. And we all have the same end goal. So just be willing to ask for support. I think that's so hard. And it was really hard for me when I was a classroom teacher sometimes to admit that you don't know what to do or, you know, to admit that, hey, I might not have the best strategies in this case so let me reach out to someone who might have kind of that area of expertise and ask for their support so really my advice would be just ask for support when you need it and that's such a strength in my opinion for teachers to have that a lot of people view as a weakness and it's not asking for help is not a weakness it's such a strength to understand when maybe it's not even you don't know what to do maybe it's hey i'm doing this and i feel like i could grow because we can all grow all the time. So just having the willingness to ask for support, even if it's just for someone else to come in and say, hey, you know, here's what I'm doing in my classroom. What else could you recommend? Be open to it and be open to the feedback and know that, you know, we really are there to help and support and not ever to, you know, tell you you're doing something incorrect. Um, that's a big thing. Sometimes when I go into classrooms, teachers will be like, oh no, someone's here to watch me. And it's always, I'm not here to watch you. I'm here to, you know, observe the student or observe the behavior in your classroom and provide support so that we can make sure all students are successful. So just having that open communication, being willing to, you know, accept that constructive feedback and just being willing to ask for support when you need it. Perfect. Well, those are all the questions I had for you. Did you have anything else that you wanted to share? Um, you know, I would just say to any BCBAs who, whether you're working for the school district or whether you're, you know, coming from outside, it really is so important just to kind of step back sometimes and take the perspective of the teacher, um, you know, go in and introduce yourself first. That's a big thing I run into is, 
either a principal or someone will ask me to come in and not tell the teacher that I'm coming. That's always my first question is, do they know I'm coming? Because you never want to go into someone's classroom and catch them off guard and make them feel awkward or nervous or uncomfortable. So really just understanding that, you know, everyone's doing the best they can. Make sure you pair with that teacher first. Make sure that you go in with the mindset of I'm here to help and not, you know, I'm here to say you're doing something wrong or not implementing an intervention and just, you know, working together to do what's best for students. And that's, that's the best thing you can do. Awesome. And I hope you guys really found something in this podcast that would help you. I know I struggled a lot in the school system and exactly what you said. If I just asked for more help, I could have gotten a lot of help. We didn't have district BCBAs, but we did have people I could have gotten help from, but I viewed it as a weakness. I, I didn't want anybody to know I was struggling. So I, pretended like I wasn't struggling and that made my job a lot harder so yeah and so many people do that and you know I think similar to the imposter syndrome question that we talked about just realizing that nobody knows everything and there's a reason that you know my district has district behavior specialists there's a reason BCBAs come into classrooms so that you can use them as a resource so absolutely view anyone you have in your district as that resource rather than you know someone who's scary because I promise most of us are not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again. And I will have her Instagram linked in the show notes. Want to check her out. And thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you.